Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. We are on to the divisional round, and we've got a special episode. First, we are going to be giving some of our best bets with Greg Smith, co-founder of 2QBs.com and a contributor over at 444.com. And then we're going to end by checking in on some weather concerns for this weekend with Kevin Roth from Roto-Grinders. But we're going to start with Greg, who you can find over on Twitter, at Greg Sauce. This is the first time he and I have spoken since he vanquished me in the Fantasy Kicker Accuracy Competition. We are putting aside our feud for this one show and this one show only. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing great. I feel uh, very honored to be back on. Uh, I figured you, you were going to ghost me after I dispatched you in the kicker competition. And, and let's be real, that's the only accuracy that matters, right, is, is kicker accuracy? Yes. I mean, the fact that I was the seventh most accurate fantasy ranker this whole entire year is meaningless. It is pure kicker where you were first and I was third. But we're going to get past it now. You obviously have a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to defer to you on all your picks because if you know kickers, then you know gambling. That's what we know. But uh, we're going to be giving our three best bets for the weekend, a pick to avoid, and then our favorite player prop, as we always do on the show. But first, again, as we always do, let's quickly check in with how things went last week. Matt Peralt had himself a very, very solid week. He hit on the Texans laying two and a half to the Bills, the Pats and the Titans under 44 and a half, and his top prop of Ryan Tannehill under 18 and a half completions. His only miss was on the Eagles laying one and a half to the Seahawks, obviously, there were a few extenuating circumstances that could have impacted that, like the Carson Wentz injury, so we can give him a pass there. As for me, I also hit in the pass on the Titans under 44.5, and I hit on the Seahawks and the Eagles under 45.5, but I missed on my top prop of Julian Edelman over 64.5 yards, and I lost on my two-team teaser of the Bills plus 9 and the Saints laying 1.5. I am still very irked about that last one. Anyway, some tough spreads this week. But Greg's all over it, so I'm going to let him get started. What is your number one pick to start us off on pick six? So I have a really hard time with the lines this week. You're exactly right in stating how tough these spreads are to figure out, especially these big ones in the AFC. And when I look at Kansas City, when I look at Baltimore, I I, I almost want to tie the two together as two best bets you know, stacked in a parlay. I'd rather just bet the money line parlays than the spreads in these contests. But with that said, let me make the case for Chiefs minus nine and a half. Houston probably shouldn't have made it this far in the first place, but they had the good fortune of facing Josh Allen in the wild card round. In the wild card round, the Texans rank 23rd in Football Outsiders weighted DVOA at the regular season's end, which is by far the worst of all the playoff teams. Now they're leaving the dome in Houston to go on the road to face weighted DVOA's third best team outdoors in a notoriously tough place to play oh and that Chiefs team also has had an extra week of rest to prepare for this game so honestly I don't even know if Kansas City needed the bye to be my pick in this contest because they have all sorts of other advantages in the matchup the Texans have a bottom seven defense while the Chiefs have a top five offense Houston has the third worst pass rush according to football outsiders adjusted sack rate while Kansas City's offensive line is the fourth best at limiting pressure in the same metric And if you thought the O-line problems were bad for Deshaun Watson last week against Buffalo, they could be even worse this week against the Chiefs' 10th-ranked D-line. The only advantage that Houston has on paper is with their rushing offense, where they rank 11th in DVOA, and the Kansas City defense ranks 29th. But I just don't know how much the Texans can even expect to run the ball if the Chiefs' offense is moving the ball and scoring at will uh, when they're on offense. So in the end, 
I'm okay laying the nine and a half points with Kansas City because I think their defense has a really good chance to create points off turnovers in this game, whether, you know, a defensive score or just a short field for Patrick Mahomes and company. But if you have some fear of a backdoor cover here, thanks to, you know, the brilliance of Deshaun Watson, and I, I wouldn't blame you, he's a great quarterback. I would recommend just a pivot to the money line. I think this is ultimately a huge mismatch, and I don't see the Chiefs losing, so I'd be okay with the money line here. But because I think the matchup is so disparate, I don't mind laying the wood with Kansas City at minus nine and a half. So I'm, com- I'm, <laughs> I'm almost in complete agreement with everything that you said. I I don't love the Chiefs laying nine and a half because it's too worrisome for me for the backdoor cover, but I would take them if I have to pick a side on this game. The money line, by the way, right now, just to be clear, is at Chiefs minus 455. So you're obviously laying a lot, which is understandable given the big spread. But everything that you said, I I essentially completely agree with, and I'm just going to go right into my first pick because it goes along with that, and that's actually the under on this game, which is Chiefs-Texans under 51. Now, that's actually been trending up, and I want to make it clear. This is the only traditional line that I'm taking this week because I completely agree with you. I hate them. The the spreads are very, very difficult. I could see the Chiefs winning by 21 points in this game, but it's not something that I feel comfortable with with these giant numbers. So this is the only traditional bet I'm going to be making, which is the Chiefs-Texans under 51. This is a number that has actually been moving up all week. I think it was around 48, 48 and a half or something when it opened. I get it. Honestly, both teams play incredibly fast. They're both capable of having a ton of explosive plays. You mentioned the problems with uh, the Houston defense, for sure. The Chiefs have actually been under, though, in the total in five of their last six games, and I think there's a reason for that. The first is that their pass defense has quietly improved pretty dramatically as the season has gone along. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo, he's done a really good job. He's called more blitzes. They've gotten healthier, and I think it just took the defense a little while to get used to the new scheme you know that happens with teams when they're introduced like that it takes them sometimes half a season to really get going 51 is a key number with totals it's going to be fast and as I said both teams are explosive but I really really like how the pass defense has kind of worked they're sixth right now in passing defense DVOA and again they're just 29th against the rush which you said so really you know you could see the Texans leaning more in the ground game like they did in that first meeting and that's going to trend towards the under now I will say the one thing that makes me a little worried about it is that you know Thornhill is is out and that's a pretty big loss for the Chiefs secondary but you know at least in the short term in the second half in week 17 you saw how they kind of coped with that they played a lot of cover two they just tried to keep the explosive plays down and I think that's what they're going to try to do here they're going to try to limit the explosive plays make the Texans grind out these long drives which they can do possibly on the ground but again that's going to eat up the clock and even though the Texans defense isn't great as we talked about I don't think we're going to see this crazy Patrick Mahomes just going nuts the entire time. In the second half of the season, he kind of really held it in check. With Damian Williams back, I think they feel they can run the ball well. They're going to utilize him. And I mentioned this on Monday's show. The Texans lead the league in false start penalties by a wide margin. I'm sure that's not going to get any better in Arrowhead where it's going to be insane and how loud it is. So I see them really having trouble scoring. So that's really the first reason. The second is that I think with the Chiefs, even if they get way out ahead, they're going to get a little conservative. That's what they've been tending to do lately in games. They get ahead and then they just kind of get conservative with the lead. And I think that Williams, you know, coming back, that's who they want to rely on. They've been, you know, whatever the reason for LaShawn McCoy, whether they don't trust him or whether they really are just kind of keeping him in reserve, I think they're going to lean a little more on their running game. So I could see the Chiefs getting out to a lead, 
going conservative here. 51 is a pretty big number. I, I want, I would love it if it got to 51 and a half because again, 51 is kind of that key number. But for me, I see the game a lot kind of like you do. I could see the Chiefs putting up a ton of points, but other than Deshaun Watson going nuts, I, it's hard for me to see the number getting too big. So I will lean with the under here at 51. Yeah, I like it. I think it's probably the smart play in terms of over or under on a total of 50 or 51. But I do have this fear in the back of my mind that, one, these teams both play with a pretty high pace. I think they both rank in the top half of situation-neutral pace, according to Football Outsiders. And two, what if the Chiefs offense does just go nuclear and they put up a ton of points on their own and all Deshaun Watson has to do is score 20 to hit the over? You know what I mean? We could see, yeah, like a 31 to 21 game. And that's why I would probably stay away at this number. My initial reaction when I first saw the line, I think it was at 50. And I know it was lower before that, but I I was inclined to take the over at first. And the more I thought about it, the more I think it's a stay away. And the more I would, I I believe that the under is the smarter or sharper bet. I, I think there's something to be said about these winter games and I know that weather coldness doesn't necessarily play a huge factor into these lines as much as we would want to think at least but there's something to be said about teams getting more conservative in these winter months and I I think that that's the key point that you made about the Chiefs is when they've gotten up in recent weeks they've kind of taken their foot off the gas a little bit whether that's to protect Patrick Mahomes or whatever else or whatever other reasons they have I think that we do need to read into that and we need to kind of fade that public inclination to go over on games because that's what people want to root for too and and there's some you know public betting nature that we have to keep in mind with these lines as well yeah generally i like to go unders because uh, you know these over unders are designed for you know people want to bet the over that's what people like to do so they're designed with that in mind understanding that the vast majority of public is going to come in on the over i will say that i when i first looked at the line on monday i agree it might have been at 50 when i first looked at it then i know it was opened at 48 or 48 and a half i also liked the over but when i dug into it 100 percent agree with you there is that risk that they're just going to come out they and part of the reason they could have been conservative in recent weeks is because they may be just holding it back for the playoffs right and then they're just going to explode at this point and let it all go certainly a possibility it's possible that the Chiefs come out and they put up 21 points or something like that immediately so it's certainly possible that it goes over but in the end this is legitimately the this is how bad this week is this is the line that I feel the most confident in if you're taking a traditional line right now because this is a tough week as we talked about so why don't we move on here to your second bet what do you have Yeah, so I kind of tease this a little bit, but I'm going to go with Baltimore. And as good as Kansas City has been, the Ravens have been even better. They're the best team, according to DVOA, and they rate even better in weighted DVOA, which accounts for recent performance a little more heavily. Meanwhile, Tennessee has been coming on strong on the stretch, as evidenced by their jump up from ninth in DVOA to fifth in weighted DVOA. But they're just not on the same level as the Ravens in my mind. But because the Titans knocked off the mighty, or should perhaps I should say once mighty Patriots, I think that there's some recency bias influencing the perception of exactly how good Tennessee is, at least relative to Baltimore. And at, meanwhile, after I called for Ryan Tanhill to get exposed week after week in the regular season from like a fantasy perspective, it finally happened against New England in the wild card round. And I don't expect Tannehill to look much better against Baltimore's fourth ranked pass defense here in the divisional round. 
Now, with that said, Tennessee's offense is built around Derrick Henry, not Ryan Tannehill, and their running game matchup does look pretty decent against Baltimore. The Titans' rushing offense ranks 5th in DVOA, while the Ravens' rushing defense ranks 19th. But I have similar game script concerns for Tennessee's rushing attack as I did with Houston's. If Baltimore puts up points like they have done all season to the tune of 32.2 points per game, the Titans could have a tough time committing to the ground game. Still, Tennessee's defense is also a strength, much better than Houston's against Kansas City. So I think this matchup between the Titans and Ravens feels like it could be a lot closer overall. And on that note, I'm much more inclined in this matchup to steer toward the money line than laying the points with Baltimore now. I would lay the points with the Ravens if forced to make a pick. But in the end, I think my favorite bet with these AFC matchups is is just to partly the money lines with KC and Baltimore. Yeah, so I hear, again, the same uh, odds on the money line. For the Ravens as the Chiefs, yep. considering they're both nine and a half spread, it's minus four fifty-five. If you parlay them, and again, I, we don't have this uh, showing right here. Uh, I don't believe on BettingPros.com, but I looked it up just on what it would be on DraftKings, for example, and it's minus one ninety. So, I mean, that's that's obviously you know it's still a, a big number there that you're uh, laying with the juice. But I mean, it's really difficult to see either one of these teams. Yep. losing on the money line right it, it, it's almost impossible to see it so yeah i think you you make a lot of good concerns i'm gonna talk about probably a lot of the stuff that you were talking about there uh as i make a couple of future picks so for me i've got no problem with it again like you if i'm forced to pick a side given the spread i'm gonna take the ravens just because i could see a scenario very easily here where the ravens win this game by 25 points right i mean their offense yep. looks completely unstoppable at this point uh, the Titans aren't great uh, against tight end, so that it certainly could be something. But realistically, it, it's just something where, you know, I, on the money line is somewhere with these big spreads where I feel a lot more comfortable. All right, I'm going to move on to my second pick here, and that's actually going to be a little unconventional, and I'm going to stick with the Chiefs and the Texans. It's it's really the game that I feel kind of the most confident in how I see it playing out, and I'm actually going to go with the Chiefs in the first half. They are laying five and a half. And that's at minus 125. So I said a lot of this earlier. I I do not see the Texans being able to put up a ton of points in this game. If they are able to do that, I expect it to be more of a late Deshaun Watson running around with his hair on fire, figuring out how to do it kind of like they did against the Bills. So I'm sure a lot of people have seen this stat already because it's been talked about quite a bit. But Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson have been outscored 34 to nothing in the first half of playoff games. I don't really think that's a fluke. I think that's because Bill O'Brien is just not a very good coach. And really, the only reason they score in these games is because Watson is such a playmaker. You've got Andy Reid, who is coming off a bye. We know what that's like. I think the Chiefs are probably going to lead pretty comfortably here in the first half. As I said, I don't love nine and a half. In this game, if I was forced to choose, I would take it because the backdoor cover looms too large for me to really, really like it. But when you're in the first half, I see them going into the uh, into the locker room up by at least a touchdown in this game. I think they're probably going to score on a couple of you know their first three opening drives. I can see them easily scoring on at least two of them. And again, it's just the Texans are coming off this game. I think it's going to take them a little while to get going. Will Fuller is a question mark here. He may play that you know that that makes me a little less confident in it but overall it's not rocket science here it's the fact that the Texans are slow starters in the first half the fact that they could cover this line really to me 
is going to be when the Chiefs get conservative in the second half and Deshaun Watson goes nuts. So for me, I will take the Chiefs laying five and a half at the first half at minus 125. I almost like this more than the nine and a half spread for the whole game because you're right. This has been the MO for the Texans all season is they come out flat and then Deshaun Watson pulls rabbits out of his hat in the second half to make games competitive. So I'm with you 100%. I really like this bet. I, I'm a little jealous of it, to be honest. I like it more than the the nine and a half bet or even maybe not the money line, but I think that that's still a, a safer call just because like we have discussed ad nauseum to this point, I just don't see the Chiefs losing this game. Yeah. But if you like nine and a half, which we both did, we both said that if we had to pick for the entire game, that would be the pick we would make is KC laying nine and a half. If we like that, I, I think it's very reasonable to like the first half line of what would you, what'd you say? Five and a half. Yeah, it's five and a half. So it's obviously, you know, a little bigger than the total, you know, for the game. Cause that's, that's four points in the second half, but overall, yeah, that's really where I feel comfortable. Like I, I do think I have the feeling that the chiefs are really going to win this pretty handily and be able to cover the spread, but it's such a big number and it's so risky. I feel like when you have a guy like Watson, who's able to just, you know, go crazy and run around like nuts. And you know, if the, if the chiefs are up by, you know, four, 14 or, or 16 or, you know, whatever they want to do, they easily could have the backdoor cover. In the first half, that's not going to happen. You're not going to see Watson baby throw caution to the wind and, and try to get things going. So at five and a half in the first half, I do like it. And look, it's not your fault. I basically chose unconventional bets without telling you that you could really do the same because <laughs> I need to have a leg up after the kicker controversy that you and I have. I but, get it. I get all right. It. What do you got for your third pick? All right. My third one, I'm going to go under 47 points in the Seattle Green Bay matchup. This will be a cold weather game, and if you do a rough averaging of the point differentials for these teams, it projects a 46.7 point total, you know, just under that number of 47, that's the line. That sort of analysis is definitely oversimplified, but there are other reasons to like the under here. The Packers defense was super solid down the stretch of the regular season. They limited six of their final seven opponents to 20 or fewer points. Now, I have to note that that late season run of dominance came against a very soft schedule. The 49ers did hang 37 points on the Packers in Week 12, and the only other quality opponent that Green Bay faced in that seven-game stretch was Minnesota, and Minnesota was without Adam Thielen in that game. But the Packers' defense appears to line up really well against this specific Seahawks team in my mind, mostly because I don't think we can put too much trust into the new Seattle backfield of Travis Homer and Marshawn Lynch. Seattle's receivers are really going to need to step up to make up for the team's running game limitations, and that's going to be extremely tough against Green Bay's secondary. Tremont Williams and Jair Alexander both rank top 12 in Pro Football Focus's end-of-season quarterback rankings, so Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf could struggle to find separation in this contest. And all this is assuming that the Seahawks would even want to ramp up their passing attack in the first place, right? That just hasn't been their identity this season. And even with Homer and Lynch carrying the ball, Seattle does have a better matchup running than passing against this Packers defense. The problem is Green Bay also sets up with a good running matchup as they face Seattle's 26th ranked rushing defense. This shared propensity to run the ball effectively is reflected in slow paces of play for both teams. The Seahawks rank 24th in situation neutral pace according to Football Outsiders and the Packer and the Packers rank 18th. Considering all these statistical factors, the identity of Seattle's offense, the cold weather, all this stuff rolled up into one big ball of kind of boring football. I like the under on 47 total points. Yep, completely agree with you. And I said that there was one line that I liked traditionally, which was the Chiefs and the Texans under 51. 
you pick this game because I, you know, allow our guests certainly to make their picks before I go. This would be the other one that I would take. I completely agree with you for all the reasons that you said. It's going to take a lot more than just being stuck with Travis Homer or 33-year-old Marshawn Lynch to get the Seahawks to stop running the ball nonstop. That's just what they want to do. And that is how you attack the backers, but they're not going to be able to have success with it. And like you said, yeah, the Packers really, they're bread and butter at this point with the way their offense works the best. It's really through Aaron Jones and or Jamal Williams when they're going. Rodgers hasn't played particularly well. So I agree with you. I think both teams do their best to stick on the ground. That's going to be a lot of running clock. And even if the Packers take a lead, you know what they kind of like to do in the second half. They just like to kind of run out the second half. They never keep their foot on the gas. So I completely agree with you with the under here. And that kind of ties into my next pick because again, I would have taken this as one of my picks. So instead, I'm going to actually do a two-team teaser. So I'm going to tease the Seahawks and the Packers over under up six points just to protect myself to 53. And I'm going to go with the under. And really, it's for all the reasons that you said. And the other part that I'm going to tease is I'm going to tease the 49ers down to laying just one against the Vikings. That's essentially a pick And I don't feel great about the 49ers laying seven to the Vikings. That's a big number. And, you know, the Vikings are certainly a more than competent team, especially since there are mostly healthy on offense. The 49ers, though, no matter what, they just play close games. And and even though they look good and I trust that they're going to win this game, I, I cannot trust that spread. But I do trust them to win the game. The Vikings are on the short week. It was a tough game. Adam Thielen, I I guess it's he cut his ankle. Is that what the the that's that's what we're hearing? All right, and he needed stitches for it. I don't know. You know that it doesn't sound good. Stephon Diggs is battling the flu. If you're looking for reasons to want to back the Vikings or find them winning and upsetting in a second straight game, this is not really what you want to hear to start. Now, I will say the Vikings defense it matches up generally pretty well with what the 49ers do. They're best against the run and at defending tight ends. And with Kittle and the running backs, it's really how San Francisco makes its money. But for me. This is much more about the 49ers defense against the Vikings offense, which is the reason why I think in the end it's hard for me to see the Vikings coming away victorious in this game. The Niners have been exhausted for the vast majority of the season. Remember, they had that really early bye week, right? Week four, whatever it was. They've been injured. They've just been trying to get through it. Finally, they've had a week off. They got the breather. Quan Alexander is going to come back here. It sounds like that's going to help the run defense immensely, which is important against Alvin Cook. Tart is going to come back here. That's going to help pretty much everywhere, but especially in their past defense. And it sounds most importantly like D Ford is coming back. That's kind of the real key for me and why I think it's going to be a really hard for the Vikings to win. If you want to stop Kirk Cousins, you have to get pressure on him and you really have to do it without blitzing him. The Saints could not really do that effectively last week when they got pressure on Cousins, which wasn't that much. It was largely because of the blitz and Cousins has success against them. But you go back to that Packers game you mentioned against the Vikings. They did not need to blitz at all. They were able to get pressure on him, and they didn't have Adam Thielen, but you were able to get pressure on him, and it really just completely shut them down. Cousins does not do well in those situations. So you add four to Bosa and Armstead. I think they're really going to be able to disrupt Cousins. So look, a couple of concerns. Yes, it's Jimmy G's first playoff start. We remember what Shanahan did in the Super Bowl without running it, kind of froze. But they're just the superior team. I don't love the seven points, but if I can basically tease them down to the point where I'm getting laying just a point, it's essentially a pick 'em. I'll do that. So my third pick is a two-team teaser, teasing the Seahawks total up to 53, and we like the under there even at 47. So I'll take the extra six, and then also teasing the 49ers down to minus one. Yeah, I really like 
just picking the Niners to win, that is one of the tougher lines here. And I, in general, that matchup, I think, is one of the hardest ones to parse out. And we'll, we'll get to more on that in a little bit with my bet to avoid. But if you're only asking San Francisco to win by one, I think that's a pretty easy ask, to be honest. They've had that extra week of rest. The Vikings are on a short week after an overtime game. Not that the overtime lasted a really long time or anything, but it all stacks up, right? All these extra injuries to Thielen and illnesses for dig illness for digs. I, I think that point you made about the way that the Vikings defense stacks up against the Niners offense might even be a little bit overblown. You mentioned how they're good against the running game. They're good against tight ends, but this Niners running game has kind of been a matchup beater and George Kittle is the definition of a matchup beater. These things can't really be contained. And that's one of the reasons why the Niners have been so successful on offense. It hasn't been on the back of their wide receivers. It's been because Kittle is so great and because their running scheme is so great. I really like them to win that game as well. And I think I would pick, I think I would pick them to cover the regular spread. So only asking them to cover a spread of one is is easy pickings and of, we've already discussed how we like the under on that Seattle matchup can I ask you what you think of just the the basic line for Seattle Green Bay I think it's currently at Green Bay minus four yeah I hate it um if I was forced to pick one of them I would go with the Packers I mean the problem is I feel like it's very difficult to properly analyze the Seahawks right because they're just not a very good team. And, you know, you look up and down, they're not, they're just not a great team. Their defense isn't strong. They have no running game right now to speak of, even though they desperately want to run the ball nonstop. It's really just Russell Wilson being a magician. And it has been all season. They, they were winning every game, despite the fact that it looked like they shouldn't. So the Packers, I have some question marks about them too but they are the superior team they're off the bye they're at home in a cold game if I was forced to choose one way I'd lean the Packers laying four but obviously it's not one of my favorites what about you yeah my gut instinct when the line first opened was just to hammer the Seahawks I think it was maybe even four and a half when the line opened but I flipped it today I just after doing the research that I did for the over under I kind of talked myself into this Packers team and now I'm starting to worry am I you know buying in too much to like the public team aspect of Green Bay, because that, that's always factored into these lines as well. But I think counteracting that is the the recency bias of Seattle going on the road and winning a playoff game in Philly, uh, their general success on the road and Russell Wilson's success on the road so far this year. I think that stuff is being overblown a little bit and that we are going to see the Packers prevail here and cover. That's, that's the way I would go too. I don't feel super strongly about it, but I think it correlates well with liking the under in that game. I think if you like the under in Seattle, Green Bay, you should probably like the Packers too. And I don't know if you agree with that line of thinking, but that's kind of where I'm at at this point. No, I honestly, I think the under is going to, is the right play regardless. I don't think either right. one of the, I don't see either way. Well, that's why I made it my, my better bet here. I didn't like the line quite as much as yeah. the over under. And especially since they're going back and forth on it, you know, you never, you know, either way, there's going to be so much money on this game as it's the last game of the week and people are going to be trying to make up for their losses or anything like that or, or go crazy with it. So it should be interesting. All right, let's recap here. I, I'm going to try to describe it accurately. You correct me if I'm wrong. You, you really, your best bet that you like, and we can do it to one of two ways is you really would like to parlay the Ravens and the Chiefs right on the money line is that correct fair? It's, it's really just one bet all right but, it's really just one bet but if you yeah. throw it in we'll say maybe you know you could do either one on the money line or maybe even if you're forced Chiefs laying nine and a half you're basically kind of willing to go there or what 
Yeah, I am. With the Chiefs, I am. With the Ravens, I'm not quite ready to go there to win by 10. Although, I, if like like we said, I think if I had to pick someone in on that line of 9.5, I would pick Baltimore. I'm going to use my authority as host to make your first bet Chiefs laying 9.5, just so next week we can talk about it. Chiefs laying 9.5, parlaying the Ravens and the Chiefs on the money line, uh, and that's at minus 190, and the under 47 in Seattle Green Bay. I am going to take the Chiefs and the Texans under 51. The Chiefs in the first half laying five and a half points over the Texans. And a two-team teaser with the Packers-Seahawks under 53. And the 49ers laying one to the Vikings. Before we move on, I want to tell everybody about the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM and the BetMGM Sports app. If you have your phone handy, you can just search for and download the BetMGM Sports app in your app store right now. Just download the app. Sign up for an account, and I'm going. It's going to ask you if you have a promo code, and you do. It is my last name, Harris. When you enter that, you've just won free money. Not yet, actually. First, you need to place a one dollar money line bet on any NFL team to win this weekend. If any team scores a touchdown this weekend, not necessarily the team you bet on, not necessarily in the game they played in any team this weekend, you win two hundred dollars. In free bets. Your $1 bet does not matter for that, although we have given you $1 money line bets to bet on this podcast so far, so you know where to go with that. But you win your $200 in free bets so long as any team this weekend scores a touchdown, and you can place that bet any time before kickoff of the Seahawks Packers game on Sunday. And these types of offers, they happen frequently, but you have to download the BetMGM Sports app, you have to sign up for an account, and you have to use our promo code HARRIS. These winnings are paid in free bets. You must be 21 years or older, and although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you must be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet, and certain restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for the full list of terms and conditions, and if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Greg, let's move on to a bet to avoid. We've talked about it. We This is a tough week, so there's plenty to choose from, and we've talked about it a lot. So what's your one bet to avoid? Yeah, the direction I'm going to go is avoiding the over-under in Minnesota at San Francisco, the pace stats don't help us quite as much in this matchup as the Vikings rank 10th in situation neutral pace while the Niners rank 20th. So there's not a whole lot of indication there which way it's going to go. I did lock in an under bet when the total was at 45 and a half earlier this week, but the line has since been pushed down to 44. I'd probably take the over on that number of force to choose, but it, it would come with an extreme feeling of queasiness. I think it's just too hard to project game script for this matchup because both defenses are really good. Minnesota's defense ranks 7th in weighted DVOA. San Francisco's ranks 5th. But does that mean that these teams are going to slow each other down? Does it mean that they're going to create some points off turnovers and drive up the pace with some short fields? And on offense, both these teams do have potential for explosive plays. There are big-time playmakers on both sides of the ball, whether it's Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs from Minnesota, or George Kittle, Emmanuel Sanders, Raheem Mostert, Debo Samuel for San Francisco. And the 49ers scheme in particular is really adept at creating chunk plays for stars and scrubs alike, kind of like we talked about earlier. Will those big plays materialize? Will the defenses hold up against them? I'm just not comfortable trying to figure that out. So I'm completely staying away from this over-under. Maybe you want to tease it in one direction or the other to get a better feel for it. But at 44, no thank you. It's not even in a line that I'd want to tease. I, I don't have a good feel. I mean, right. there are some games, you know, 
we throw out stats, both of us, and, and everybody does, you know, when we talk about these lines. There are just some games that I'm just like, no, I, I do not feel comfortable either way with whatever it is. And that is certainly a line. And again, you know, the forecast we're going to talk about a little bit more later with Kevin Roth. But, you know, the early forecast was some wind in that game. I don't know how that's going to mess it up. So it is something where it's a line that I don't want any part of. And I wouldn't even tease it. Again, involved in a teaser. The, the you know, the over-under, if there's a teaser, I'm just going to get even more comfortable like I said, with that Seahawks Green Bay uh, total. But for that one, I completely agree with you. I would stay away from that. And I'm also going to stay away myself from a different over-under, and that's uh, 47 on the Titans and the Ravens. This is one, again, where to the extent there is a concern about weather for the week, it is in this game. Again, we'll talk to Kevin in a bit. He'll let us know whether or not those are real or not. But it could be windy. It could be rainy. And even if not, I just the Ravens are just this anomaly. I don't know exact. They could easily come in here and they could put up 45 points themselves. I mean, even the fact that the Titans generally are good against the run. Certainly, that's how you need to try to stop the Ravens because they're going to run. Mark Ingram is probably going to play here. So it's really easy to see a scenario where it gets to the over. But I don't really know if the Titans are going to be able to put up points. Uh, You know, we saw Ryan Tannehill. I threw for 72 yards, I believe, last week. So even if Derrick Henry is able to get going on the ground, which is far from certain, if the game turns to Ryan Tannehill, which it probably is going to at some point, it's really unclear whether or not he's going to be able to put up any points whatsoever. So I think the Ravens are going to win. I think they're going to get out to a lead. But again, it's going to be cold. It's going to be hard. It's just hard for me to get a good feel on this total. And one of the things I do is before I look at the lines for each week, I kind of predict what I think the line is going to be. And this one, I I had it personally at 47, which means it's just a line that I don't really feel that there's much value either way. So for me, I'm avoiding the Titans Ravens total at 47. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for all the reasons you stated. My biggest concern with it would, as you noted, be the Baltimore offense just kind of going bananas here because I could see that. But against Tennessee, I don't know, their defense is competent, if not good. And that would lean me towards the under slightly. Yep. I I, I don't love it, though. I, I think really the, the question here is what version of Ryan Tannehill are we going to get? And I've been wrong on him consistently since he became the starter for the Titans. And that enough is or that on its own is enough for me to stay away. I, I just haven't been able to get a good read on him and this offense all season. Maybe Derrick Henry busts off a couple big runs. There are just too many ways that this can go sideways, and I, I I really like the fact that you're staying away from this because I am too. Yeah, wonderful. We are both staying away then from the Vikings 49ers over under of 44 and the Titans Ravens over under of 47, but we cannot stay away from our top prop. So what do you have for your best player prop of the weekend? Yeah, the theme of this show so far has been that we both really like the Chiefs to win big, so it should come as no surprise that I like Damian Williams over 54.5 rushing yards, which is currently at minus 112 on the DK Sportsbook. The Texans bring the regular season's 26th ranked pass defense into this game, so I think they're going to need to sell out to slow down Patrick Mahomes through the air, and that's going to open things up for Damian Williams. And while Houston hasn't been as bad against the run as they have been against the pass, run defense still is not a strength for them. They allowed 98.8 rushing yards per game to running backs during the regular season. Then they gave up 58 yards on 13 carries to Devin Singletary in the wildcard round. Damian Williams has 12 carries and 65 yards or more in four of his past five games. 
I also like Damian Williams for over two and a half receptions for what it's worth, but you have to lay more wood at minus 177. So I much prefer over 54 and a half rushing yards at minus 112. If we want to dig in a little bit deeper on those passing stats, Singletary last week caught six of seven targets for 76 yards. Williams has had three or more receptions in six of his last 11 games, but a lot of those were weeks where he was either dinged up due to injury or just straight up missed due to injury. When the Chiefs feature Damian Williams, as they've done recently, he's been very active in the passing game. Long story short, I like Damian Williams to be a key cog in the Chiefs' offensive attack this weekend, and I think you can attack the props in a lot of different ways with him. My preferred way is the over on 54.5 rushing yards. Yeah, I couldn't believe that it was minus 177 because I also generally, when I look at player props now, I look at DK Sportsbook. I'm in New Hampshire, so it was legalized a couple of weeks ago, um, and I when it was minus 177. I was like, oh, because that was one of the Ouch. ones that I was starting to look at, but I completely agree with you here. I think this is... Damian Williams is really the only running back that Andy Reid, I feel like, is willing to just go out there and trust. You saw when he was out, it was LaShawn McCoy getting a few carries, and Spencer Ware off the street getting a few carries and Darwin Thompson getting a few carries. He's the one guy that they want to rely on. 54 and a half rushing yards is not prohibitive. I think they're going to be up here. I think they're going to be able to run the ball. So I completely agree with you there. I am going to say something that I think sounds a little blasphemous here, but I am (laughs) actually going to go with Derrick Henry under 94 and a half rushing yards over at minus 117. Now he has popped that number in six of his last seven games. I get it. It's ridiculous. He could do it in, in one run. You know what I mean? If he, if they yeah. get the ball deep and that's always a threat. Um, but there are a couple of things here. The Ravens have been fine against the run on the season. Not great, but fine. But I feel like it's a little bit of a different story now. They're really, really healthy on their defensive line. Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce, Chris Wormley, and now Pekka. They've been very, very good, much better lately than their season-long numbers. And you saw that against the Browns, right? I mean, Nick Chubb destroyed them early in the season when they were kind of decimated by injuries and stuff like that. They completely contained him once they got healthy. I just think that, like New England, the Ravens kind of know the Titans are going to run nonstop with Derrick Henry, but I think they just have a better chance to stop him. And unlike New England... I think the Ravens are going to be able to get out to a lead here. And I think that's going to force the Titans as much as they desperately want to run the ball with Henry. If they're down by 14 points, by 20 points, by 21 points, they're going to need to go to the air at some point and kind of abandon the run. So 94 and a half yards, when you think about Henry, just, you know, Joe Public sitting there being like, well, of course he's going to go over that. He's amazing. He's unstoppable and stuff like that. That's a big number. That's a really big number in a playoff game against a good rush defense. So I'm not excited about it, uh, but I will go under here. Uh, 94 and a half rushing yards for Derrick Henry, and that's a minus 117. Yeah, you take your life or at least your pocketbook into your own hands when you bet against Derrick Henry, it seems. But I love this bet. I am looking at the Baltimore Ravens adjusted line yards on defense right now. They rank ninth. And like you said, I think the key point here is game script. The Ravens should be able to score a lot more easily than the Patriots were able to do last week. I mentioned that earlier and why I like the Ravens on the money line, why I like them to potentially cover nine and a half. I just think they're going to be able to put up points and force Tennessee into a more pass-heavy game script. And who knows, maybe they will end up throwing more to Derrick Henry as they should have been doing all season. But based upon the way they've used him to this point, I don't think we can count on that necessarily. And even if Derrick Henry is catching passes, that doesn't help him hit the over on this prop. So going under on this when the public is going to be going crazy for Derrick Henry based upon what he's been doing in recent weeks, I think makes a ton of sense. I think this is a great pick by you. 
I mean, it's great. You just go against Eric Henry and Patrick Mahomes scoring a ton of points, and you're going to be in great shape this weekend, which is basically what I'm doing. So let, let's hope that that under hits and that uh, this under hits. So you are taking Damian Williams over 54.5 rushing yards at minus 112, and I am going to take Derrick Henry under 94.5 rushing yards at minus 117. All right, Greg, that is it for the picks portion of our show. Thanks for joining me. Before we bring in Kevin, remind everybody where they can find more of you and your work. Yeah, you can check me out on Twitter at Greg Sauce. Uh, give me a follow. Shoot me any questions you have. I'm happy to interact on there. Uh, and you can find my work at 2QBs.com and at 4for4.com. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah, excellent. Enjoy this weekend's games and savor your fantasy kicker accuracy title because I- I'm coming for it next year. <laughs> it won't last, I'm sure. Have a good one, man. All right, man. You too. All right, before we bring in Kevin to talk about some weather for this weekend, I want to remind everybody about our giveaway. It's a signed Michael Thomas Saints helmet. You can go to bettingpros.com slash contest for more details. But to enter, just leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Send a screenshot of that review over to contest at bettingpros.com. If you've already entered a previous contest, you are already entered for this one, so don't worry about that. The Michael Thomas helmet Every one of our signed helmet giveaways that we've done this year, they come from Pristine Auction, where they offer a ton of great memorabilia with thousands of auctions every day. Just go to pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. And when you go there, use our promo code BETTINGPROS. You get a free $5 voucher instantly. All right, now joining me is Kevin Roth over at Roto Grinders. You can find him on Twitter at KevinRothWX. If you play DFS, if you bet on any sport, where weather could be a factor. You must be following Kevin on Twitter without question. I was just telling him how before I even got into this, my brother-in-law used to revere this guy and follow him for baseball DFS in particular, where rainouts are crazy. So definitely give him a follow on Twitter. Kevin, thanks for coming on. How's it going? Good. That's that's quite the intro. I feel like I've got a lot to live up to now. I'm not kidding. When we booked you for this, I was secretly so excited and I couldn't tell my bosses or anything like that. Because again, legitimately, this is back in the day when I was just, you know, playing DFS and first getting into baseball DFS. Again, there are some weather concerns that we've got to talk about for the NFL, but for baseball in particular, the possibility of a rainout. And I imagine that's pretty stressful for you because of the fact that probably DFS, you know, Twitter gets pretty worked up if you suggest something's going to be a rainout in baseball and then it's not or vice versa but we relied on you pretty heavily and and you've been a, a great asset and i know not just to me and my brother-in-law but to the entire dfs and now sports gambling community so i'm really pumped to have you on yeah it, it started with baseball and the rainouts like you said and now it's it's grown and it's nfl and college football and pga and nascar and anything outdoors and sports but to, to be fair, NFL is my favorite, so I'm excited to break this down with you. Well, then let's jump into it. All right, we've got four games this weekend. All of them are outdoors. Why don't you just talk about whatever the biggest weather concerns are for this weekend? Yeah, we'll go by increasing severity here. So we can start in Kansas City. It's beautiful. It, it's just nice weather. Just, you know, it's in the upper 30s. It's chilly, but there's no wind. There's no precipitation. So we'll move that one aside. Next, we'll go to Green Bay. It is freezing cold, and I mean that quite literally. Uh, The temperature should be about 20 degrees at kickoff there. But it's important to know that the cold isn't as impactful as people think it is. So a lot of times you'll see the totals drop here because of the cold. But I looked at statistics here. 31 similar weather games in Green Bay. The average score has dropped 1%. That's it. Just 1%. So let people take the under here if they want because they're worried about the cold. But I don't think that's something that you should be messing with. 
Okay, yeah, and in my experience, just when I'm looking at this, the big thing for me that I worry about with totals is wind. In your experience, is wind really the most important thing that comes into practice with these games, especially with the over-under? Yeah, there's there's two things I look for, and wind is definitely the first one. It's also the easiest to forecast because I know if it's going to be windy five days out. The other thing that really impacts it is if it is a true downpour, if it is raining really hard or if it's snowing really hard then it matters but I don't know that until the morning of the game because you know a light ring that doesn't matter a light snow that doesn't matter so wind really is the key thing that I focus on for these all right so for this game we're talking really not much of an impact now so again if you want to factor that in as you heard earlier both Greg and I kind of like the under anyway in this game and it has stayed relatively constant at this point I believe it opened at maybe 46 it's actually pushed up to 47 so it sounds like sharp betters are not really letting that factor in what's the next game in terms of severity of weather that we need to think about all right we're going to ratchet it up a little bit here as we get to the San Francisco game we were just talking about wins And I do think this game should see about a 15-mile-per-hour sustained wind. Wind gusts around 20. That's borderline. What I'm really looking for is winds about 20 miles per hour sustained, and we're not quite there. But a few of the deeper throws, uh, maybe a longer field goal or two, could be impacted by the wind. Uh, Actually, have seen a 10% drop in passing yards in similar weather games as what we're going to see in San Francisco. All right. So that's really interesting, actually. And, you know, the one thing here that I think maybe makes the wind less impactful, perhaps, is the fact that both these teams focus so heavily on the run, right? The Vikings are going to rely on Dalvin Cook. The Niners are going to rely on Raheem Mostert and, you know, uh, Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida if they get him going. But they do take some shots down the field. So there is a chance, you're saying, is the gusts, by the way, nearly as important? Is it just the sustained wind? Do the gusts matter at all when you have that difference? Yeah, I just like pointing it out because a lot of times people see the wind gusts and assume that's the sustained wind. And those are two very different things. So I like pointing out, you know, this is what we'll see throughout the game is around 15. You could see some stronger gusts 20 to 25, but mostly I do look at the sustained winds. Yeah, the total here is at 44. That's the lowest total of the weekend. But it sounds like in your estimation, the winds, you know, could have a minor impact, you're saying, essentially on the passing game. But overall, it's not that crazy. Is that fair to say? Yep, I think that is fair. And I think you kind of led me into something good there with that's a game where the teams want to run. Because you talk about the next game, Titans at Ravens. This is the worst weather game out of the four. But it's also the game where these two teams are very capable of just keeping it on the ground and doing a lot of damage that way. Um, But this is the game all week I've been watching because there's a cold front coming through on Saturday night into Sunday morning. The timing of this looks like it's going to happen just after the game. So the worst of the winds, the worst of the rain, that should be just after the game. But that's really important because this timing here in the next couple of days could change. So I urge everyone Sunday morning, uh, check the weather forecast or hit up my Twitter at KevinRothWX. Make sure that this weather forecast hasn't changed because if it does, it's going to be huge impacts. As it stands, I think maybe they get a rain shower here and you're looking at 10 to 15 mile per hour winds gusts up to 20. Uh, But the ugliest does hold off for what it's worth in similar weather games. This has been a 7% decrease to scoring. That's a great stat. Yeah, the over-under on this game hovering right around 47 right now. A little tough again, as we talked about 
both teams like to run the ball a lot. So, I mean, let me just ask you a very basic question. You know, it is Thursday as we are recording this. How tough is it to forecast out for these games? I mean, how dramatically could it change? Could you come back, you know, shortly before the game and be like, whoa, 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 it's going to be, you know, 30 mile an hour wins or something like that? Or you generally feel confident that you're in the ballpark? It obviously is going to depend on the timing of when all this moves in and stuff like that. But for the most part, I mean, are you generally confident in what sort of the outliers possibly could be the extremes on either end at this point in the week? Honestly, at this point, it, it can change pretty dramatically, um, especially in a situation like this where we're, it's all about the timing of this front. And right now it should it looks like it'll move through one, two in the morning. It could very easily be six hours earlier than that, which would put it right in the middle of the game. And the winds would be not 10 or 15, but they'd be 25. And right. we wouldn't be talking about showers. We'd be talking about a downpour. Uh, so... This is kind of an exception to the rule. Usually at this point, I feel pretty good about it. When you're talking about the timing of a cold front, it is a very specific thing. And that's why this is the one game where I do think you have to circle back and double check it. The other three, I feel very confident about the the current forecast moving forward. So I assume then if everybody follows you on Twitter that you're going to be tweeting out sort of updated forecasts on game day. Is that fair? That's what I do. Yeah, I will be, uh, you know, I, I tweet an updated forecast. I look at the actual wins before the game happens and say, okay, this is this is not a forecast. We are actually seeing a 16 mile per hour wind currently in 22 mile per hour gusts. Uh, so yeah, I make the forecast. I compare it with what's really going on. And hopefully before kickoff, we nail what the weather's going to be like for that game. Absolutely. Well, I certainly owe you a tip of the hat. Uh, for some baseball DFS that you have saved me uh, some money over the years. So I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you coming on. We had talked earlier in the season about trying to get you on as much as possible. We've got some different schedules. It's been hard to work out. So I'm really glad we were able to get you on before the end of the season. And hopefully we can do it again. I could not agree more. It's a good way to kind of end the season this way. And then maybe next year we'll do a little bit more of this. Absolutely. All right, Kev, that was all great information. Just remind everybody where they can find more of you and your work. The forecast always goes up on rotogrinders.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter. It's at Kevin Roth WX. And that's where I'm posting everything you need to know. Fantastic. Thanks again for coming on. Before we go, I want to say thanks again to the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. Remember to download the BetMGM Sports app and use the promo code Harris. Place a $1 money line bet on any team to win this weekend. And you can win $200 in free bets so long as any team this weekend scores a touchdown. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Send a screenshot of that review over at contest at bettingpros.com to be entered into our Michael Thomas signed helmet giveaway. Good luck with your wagers this weekend. We'll be back talking about the championship round on Sunday night. 